everyone, and welcome back to another podcast of About Pay, where we talk about everything compensation and just how people in HR and leadership roles get things done. Today, I'm really excited to introduce Rochelle Middlebrooks. She's coming from Grocery Outlet, where she is a director of talent acquisition. So very excited for someone who's directly in the line of candidates and who works with compensation so closely. Rochelle, welcome. Thank you for joining us. I would love um, if you give us a quick intro on you and your background. Of course. Thanks for having me. Um, so I've been with Grocery Outlet for four years. Um, started as a corporate recruiter, worked for a little over a year, was promoted to manager, and then the next year promoted to director. So currently have a team of eight and oversee um, corporate, field, supply chain distribution, anything uh, talent acquisition at Grocery Outlet. Um, Background-wise, I grew up in the Bay Area, so Northern California native. Nice. Retail girl. So I worked in retail um, since I was, gosh, since my parents would let me work, I think at 15, I got my first job at Wet Seal. I'm dating myself. Um, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Retail my entire career, always had a love for recruiting. um, And, uh, you know, finally got the opportunity through a referral um, of a friend to come and uh, work in corporate recruiting at Grocery Outlet and fast forward, here we are four years later. Oh my gosh. I mean, retail is an amazing job. I feel like for anyone, but especially if you're going to go into an HR or recruiting role, talk about learning the sale tactics, the customer service space, the ways to de-escalate. Highly, highly recommend. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, Rochelle, being in talent acquisition, um, especially in a grocery retailer, I'm sure it's super fascinating how pay structures vary. You know, much of my career um, I really spent in tech. I actually grew up um, in a small family store that was a convenience store. We had a sporting goods store and some, um, you know, rental things. My grandparents built this business from the ground up, but um, I actually really love retail as well because of that upbringing. But comp works very differently in those spaces. Um, so would love to ask you, you know, what do you think are the key differences between what people typically think of comp and what actually happens in your world? I think people think it's it's an open book a lot of times. I think people think it's a blank check a lot of times and um, you should pay me because you like me and I'm so awesome. Uh, but there's a lot of different factors that come into it, right? There's um, internal equity, there's market data, uh, there's paying for performance, which I strongly mm-hmm. believe in. So there's a lot of different components that um, that come into it that you don't see from the outside. I love that. And for you in particular, something we love to ask guests when they come on here um, is, you know, you started in retail, but what was your first experience in getting paid? Oh, my first experience in getting paid. Um, I think I made $5 and 15 cents an hour was my first job. Um, at Seal. <laughs> I know. And I was very excited to cash those checks and go buy new CDs. Um, when oh, I man. <laughs> those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sure, I mean, that, that sounds about right for what my first job was like, uh, which is, you know, I was just happy to have a paycheck. So negotiation was out the window for sure. Do you remember, or have you ever had the experience of going in and negotiating for any of the roles you've had to date? And what was the first time that you negotiated? Like, interestingly enough, I did not negotiate for the longest time in my career. I'd say mm-hmm. for the whole career, I didn't. Um, when I worked in retail and I would get promotions and take on new opportunities, 
it was always because a supervisor had approached me and said, Hey, mm-hmm. I have this new opportunity. I'd love you to go here. I'd love you to take this role. I'd love you to take on this. And this is how much you're going to, you know, we're going to pay you. And I mean, quite honestly, earlier in my career, it's like, there was no such thing as negotiating, right? Like this is what yeah. someone offered me for this job and either I want to do it or I don't want to do it. And it took me a while to realize that it's okay to ask. Like if you don't ask, you will never know. And the worst yep. thing that anybody can say is no, right? Yes. So the bulk of my career, I did not negotiate. And the first time that I did, and I asked for more because I felt like I was worth more, mm-hmm. uh, I got it. And I was like, oh God, that was so easy. <laughs> Not that it's always easy, right? But yeah, it was of course. easy to ask. I always had kind of like a fear of like, do I ask? I honestly had a fear of like, are they going to like rescind an offer if I actually oh my gosh. for more money, right? Like, oh, oh my goodness. No one, nobody rescinds an offer just because you ask for more money. No. And I mean, you know, HR person, the HR person, especially someone who's working in recruiting, I think the only time I've ever seen offers rescinded was based on the behavior of the candidate, right? So the how they ask, the way that they're treating their recruiter, like, yes, if you are rude to your recruiter, you might get a rescind on that offer, rightfully so, because who wants to hire someone who's being a jerk? So I always tell people, if you're polite, if you're kind, if you're justified, even if you're not justified, if you're polite and kind, they're not going to rescind the offer. But if you're justified, you just might get it, you know, so. And the worst (laughs) they can say is no. No. And I think, I mean, would love to hear uh, from your perspective too. How, what percentage of offers do you anticipate having to negotiate on as a director of talent acquisition? Um, Like from the candidate's perspective, like how many of my candidates are negotiating offers? Yes. How many do you, like, even before you go into it, what do you think is always the likelihood of a negotiation? Uh, It's pretty often these days. If you had asked me this three years ago, I would have a different answer. Um, In the last, you know, since COVID, our favorite word, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it's changed a lot. Um, in the yeah. beginning of the pandemic, being a grocery company, a lot of people wanted to work for us. We were stable. We were still yep. hiring. We weren't laying off. Um, but then that has shifted in the last couple yes. of years. And being in the Bay Area, we compete with a lot of the um, the the tech companies. So yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's shifted a lot. Um, and so there are a lot of negotiations that go on. I am actually um, more surprised when someone doesn't negotiate these days versus someone that that uh does i i feel similar sometimes when i put out an offer and someone doesn't negotiate um i'm like wait did i pay too much i'm like why is that so easy easy. (laughs) yeah um and you know to your point on covid and being in a grocery kind of retail chain field it it's been a wild roller coaster for these companies right we had a lot of the frontline workers where they're, you know, I, we were working with several customers that were doing the emergency pay essentially. So mm-hmm. upping the hours, but also upping pay substantially to offset the risk and cost of it. And then now, you know, I was just seeing a post recently that said there's two open roles for every one American worker at this point. And a predominant portion of those are in retail and grocery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to hear, I mean, is that true? Are you feeling that? What are you seeing? 
Yeah. So it's a little bit different for us since our stores are independently owned and operated. So anyone who's in a store is actually an employee of the store's independent owner operator. They're not an employee of Grocery Outlet. But within, within supply chain, we were definitely seeing that. So we've paid, you know, hazard pay and COVID premiums mm-hmm. for our employees who are in our distribution centers and our warehouses, um, who were the ones who were getting all this product to the stores during the, you know, last crazy several years um, that we've had. So not a lot for the stores, but definitely when it comes to um, supply chain, we had some of those uh, nuances where we were paying extra. Fascinating. I feel like it's just going to keep going. We're probably going to be working through these COVID dilemmas for the next decade. <laughs> I feel Definitely. like it um, <laughs> will never go away. But something that I think has prevailed and that I've seen throughout my career that I think is so fascinating. I love that we have you on because your role in talent acquisition, um, you know, talent acquisition and comp are tight partners. And at times, depending, especially on the company structure, they can almost be adversarial. And I don't know if everyone necessarily agrees with that, um, but I've had so many moments where, you know, there's this friction of like comp can have the data, but recruiting can't have that data or recruiting does have the relationship with the candidates, right? Like, you know what they're coming and asking, but then it comes to comp and we're trying to justify it and there isn't that personal connection. And I think that, you know, something I wanted to solve when I came in to build Packwity, one of our first platforms was an offers tool. And it was all centered on this idea of how do we help break down these walls, increase transparency with recruiters, because they are the ones who, if you want to get talent in quickly, and if you really want to have the full story, they're the ones who have it. So how do we create a tool that, you know, comp professionals can use, but also interact with their recruiting teams, but would love to hear your experience, especially with grocery outlet. It sounds like there's probably some unique structures there and how you've intertwined with compensation and how that relationship has played out for you? I mean, we are one in the same, you know, being a smaller HR group, we're already very close and work very closely together. Um, but talent acquisition and, and comp, we work super close together and my recruiters, my team, we do have access to all the ranges. As so, it should be. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, you have to, right? Like, it's kind of, I don't know how you would do your job otherwise, honestly. We have to. We need to be able to be realistic with a candidate. You know, we can't have someone telling us the range is one thing and it's actually, you know, 20,000 more. Because then you could be missing mm-hmm. out on a great candidate just because somebody maybe wanted to save a couple of, you know, dollars here or there. Mm-hmm. So, we work very closely um, with comp and um, me, myself, I work really closely with our VP of uh, finance and we actually manage the budget for the company together. So we are the ones who, yeah, when we have to approve, you know, kind of off cycle things or nuances, we are the ones that get together and meet with our senior leaders and get these things approved for um, our candidates or for, you know, internal promotions and movement. Oh, that is Fantastic. I'm sure that's probably if you're recruiting recruiters from other companies too, a bit of a breath of fresh air. It, it is. And it also really helps with not slowing down the process because mm-hmm. you don't have to wait on someone else to, you know, get an approval yep. or get information to you. So it just makes our candidate experience um, more seamless because we can move quickly. A lot of people are, you know, one of the cells that we talk about with Packwity is um, we shave like two days off the average time to offer. Like, how do you do it? So like, how is that possible? I'm like, well, 
because part of our tool is we just permission the data to recruiters because they have the data. They have it on day one. They don't have to come to me. They're not emailing, slacking everyone. And that takes so much time. And when they have the data early, they can digest it yeah. even before they have the candidate on the phone. Like there's this whole value to it. And really, you know, with you being so tight to the finance team and what you're seeing in compensation, would love to know, you know, what trends are you seeing, especially since I think a lot of people really do focus in on, you know, the big logos that we're talking about, you know, the fortune 50s and the top companies are doing these layoffs and this, that, and the other. What are you seeing like in retail in this company that's in San Francisco, not necessarily a tech company though, who's experiencing the same waves as all these other industries? Um, it's insane. <laughs> the amount of, you know, um, counter offers that our candidates are getting, like we lose people by the day. Um, yep. so, you know, earlier when I talked about a seamless process and being able to move quickly, like we already know we're not the highest paid company. Like we're competing <laughs> with Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google, just all these really large companies. Our culture is amazing. Um, amazing. but we don't have the highest pay. So we, we have to have some leg up, right? We need to move. Yeah. Quickly. We have to have some good, you know, benefits that we can offer some other pieces outside of base pay, which we've got some really cool things that we offer. Um, but it's, it's, I think speed has really become our friend. We can get people through the, the process quickly. We get them to really understand our culture. Yes. We've got to be competitive somewhat, right? Like we can't oh, be of course. far off and then, you know, the tech companies and other large Bay Area companies, but getting them to understand our culture, moving them through quickly, um, really um, helps us to, to seal the deal and win talent in the Bay Area. It's amazing. And not at all uncommon. We're hearing this from so many people, even with all the layoffs that are happening and like it's all over the news. I'm still working with so many customers that are like, we just need to move faster. Like we can't yes. get the candidates in fast enough before they get a counter offer, before they're on to the next role. And yeah. I need more help. So I, to validate what you're experiencing, I, I think that is what everyone is feeling at the moment. Good um, <laughs> yeah, just to make you feel a little bit better. I always like to have those little moments of, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I think that's interesting too, and obviously a key focus that I have, I'm super passionate about pay equity and something that I remember also feeling when there wasn't a system in place, especially at you know, smaller companies or startups was that sometimes when we're rushing through things or all this focus is like on, you know, finance, like how much can we save from this? And it's like recruiting, we're trying to get this person in quickly. And, you know, there's all these voices and no one's really collaboratively looking in the same place. It usually means that what will happen is a decision occurs and we kind of forget the reason. And then down the line, we find out it was actually a pay disparity, right? It's like, oh shoot, like that person who didn't negotiate, right? they actually were a minority of some sort underrepresented in our company or in the market in general. And now they're below their peers and we have to fix it. Or there's that one, you know, stereotypical person who did negotiate really aggressively, was a critical hire, and now they're really high above peers. Um, and I just wonder from your perspective, like, what do you do and what do you recommend to help recruiters, especially find ways to be more paritable and to pay attention to the things that help in that pay equity lens? 
That is a great question. And it's something that we're still actively working to figure out. As is everyone. (laughs) I can tell you um, what we do now is if we are finding that when we start a role um, and we're talking to candidates and we're finding that what um, people's expectations are, are far above what we thought it was going to be, we immediately go back and look internally. And Mm -hmm. we will kind of let our senior executive team know, you know, our candidates are saying we are here. And, um, you know, it's not what the market is, but it's significantly above with everyone that we've spoken to. So we're probably going to have to hire someone here. And then we'll also call out anyone internally who's way far off from that. And not even just an underrepresented minority group. You know, we might have someone who's really tenured, who's been around for 10 years. Um, you know, you know, that compression happens with (laughs) the company for a long time, but we actually, um, I'm proud to say that we've actually done a really good job at kind of case by case looking at maybe a specific role to make sure that our internal um, equity is aligned as well. And we've actually done some adjustments for people when we've brought in new people, we've adjusted the employees we have. Being a smaller company, right, under a thousand employees, you know, you hire one person and there might only be two or three people that are in the same role. So it's not yes. like we're adjusting pay for 200 people because, you know, the market um, was was different. But we, we definitely deal with it on a case-by-case basis. And we look internally when we need to make a change with an external hire. That's a fantastic example of what people should do. Um, and to your point, it does, it gets difficult once you're past that thousand employee mark is interesting. It's a way that we look at our tool where I'm like, that's probably where you're making about a comp decision a day. Like, there's just, you know, there's promos, there's retention, there's new hires. You're, you're all over. And it does get difficult for companies to pay attention to, especially, you know, hint, hint everyone out there. If you're just trying to run it all through spreadsheets, it's possible. It's doable. It's painful. <laughs> but it's time consuming. <laughs> so time consuming. Um, But I think that that's a really great way to think of it where a lot of people don't. I think when people think of pay disparities, there's this really funny view of it where it's like this, you know, someone's maliciously inside the company, like causing it. And I love your approach because it's more, it's team oriented. It's like, Hey, like we're making a call and what's right is to now as a team, look at all these people together and say that their role is priced differently, right? Like at the end of the day, it wasn't about the individual. This person came in and gave us new market data. Yep. That market data is telling us that we have to shift. So it shifts for everyone. It's not that we're just doing it for them. It's everyone at the company. And I think that is a great example for everyone who's listening on how you could approach this. Right. Um, I would love to know, you know, what has been like the starkest trend that you've seen? You know, you've been in this space for a very long time. How has, how is it different from that, you know, first $5 <laughs> And 50 cents job to where you are now as a director of talent acquisition in this field. People, they demand more. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like what I said about myself, right? Of like, I did negotiate for several years and then I found out how to negotiate. Um, People want to make sure that their offer is 100% aligned with um, their, their personal values as well. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There are some people who cash is more important. There are some people who equity is more important or bonus is more important or the cost of benefits is more, you know, important. So yeah, the, the negotiations and making sure that things are aligned with people's kind of personal values is probably the, the thing that's changed the most. 
Well, and that's, I mean, isn't that the truth? I always talk about the hedonic treadmill and people get on it and they're, you know, the second you get a raise, you get used to that and then you're on to the next thing. But I do think, especially, I'd be curious what you see even from like thinking of total rewards in the aspect of comp. I feel like that has become such a trend over this past year where people aren't just negotiating for pay. It's vacation, it's sick leave, it's fertility benefits. So what are you seeing from that like total rewards lens as well? Everything you just said. (laughs) The uh, The first time in my four years here, we actually had someone uh, decline us. Actually, we had two people this year decline us and go with another offer um, because the vacation. Oh, um, wow. In, in one instance, our pay was significantly higher, like 20%. And they went with the other offer because the their vacation was almost double what ours um, was. So I think people they are looking at every single piece of the package now. It's not just like, what is my paycheck going to be? It's the time off. It's like you said, it's the, you know, um, uh, parental leave, right? Mm -hmm. All the other benefits that come into play, like total rewards is so important. Um, But on the flip side of that, sometimes I feel like uh, people don't understand the whole total rewards, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get, current employee, someone who's been around for a long time, they're kind of used to what they have and they don't even realize how great some of those other pieces of the are compared to (laughs) other places, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, for example, we offer profit sharing. How many companies do you know that offer profit sharing in 2022? Not a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody who's worked with us, you know, for 20 years might be really used to that and think that it's a common thing and you know, not even pay special attention to it when it's something that is pretty awesome. Amazing. I I feel like profit sharing, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I haven't seen it at a lot of companies in a long time. So I feel like it's a rare benefit to be able to lean into. Um, And that all makes sense. I think with the pandemic people, I think people are, we've seen all the articles about people questioning kind of their lives. We all experienced a midlife crisis of some sort through the pandemic. Um, I think people are weighing in on that. Um, And it definitely puts pressure on comp because, you know, the one thing I always think about is if they can't get it, they can't get those vacation days. They've attached a value to that and they're going to come and be like, well, fine. If you're not giving me vacation, can I have an extra 10 K or, you know, whatever it is in their head. Uh, so I feel for you and your role completely, um, Rochelle. And I think that it sounds like your team is doing an amazing job at building a very equitable and ahead of the time program. Um, a lot of, you know, not a lot of companies, but I know every company shoots for that gold standard is very hard to build. So the fact yeah. that you're as far along as you are, that sounds amazing. Um, and I know yeah, you're, you are more than trying, you're <laughs> thriving there. Um, you know, as we're heading towards the end um, of our chat here, which I'm so grateful for you joining us today, we always love to ask our guests if there's anyone who's in your network or in the space or just someone that you want to shine a little light on um, that we can give a spotlight today just to pass on a little, you know, happiness and joy and where can we find them? What company are they at? And what are they doing? That's so amazing. 
So um, this is going to be so cheesy, but I'm actually going to say you guys. <laughs> you know, I, you. And I am so serious. One of my goals at the beginning of this year, one of my personal development goals was to learn a little bit more about comp, right? Oh. To keep growing my knowledge. And in Googling, I found equity. Oh. And I attended your Comp 101 course. and. Oh. Met yes. with Catherine and met with Brad and really, you know, learned a lot and took some stuff back to our company. So my shout out and shine seriously is for Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I am blushing and on behalf of Equity, thank you. Uh we're so we really are trying to educate people. I think that, you know, to the point we kind of were just talking about with employees, not always understanding. I also think there's sometimes a gap in HR teams and it's not it's because comp is weird. Like we're all paid, but we, we know there's payroll, but we don't really know, like, how do we get from this right. like market sense to like how we decide what someone is paid. So if anyone's interested, look at our comp one oh ones or reach out to Rochelle and ask her yes. questions on how, <laughs> what she's learned and what to take away. But thank you so much. That's so, so sweet of you, Rochelle. And like I said, we are just so happy that you came on the show, especially because in recruiting, you are truly the front line. Yeah. of these frontline workers. You're the one making sure that they're happy, taken care of and coming into a great place. So we really appreciate you as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Right. And if anyone has any questions or wants to connect with Rochelle, you can find her on LinkedIn, look her up, ask her about her roles that she's hiring for or how she's navigating this pandemic. She's over at Grocery Outlet. Thank you everyone. And we'll be back with another one shortly.